I think it's great that we're trying so many new technologies, but so much of what I see out there is this sense of, hey, you know, we used to do this online. Let's just substitute it. Let's have virtual classrooms. Let's have synchronous virtual classrooms. Let's give paper handouts, do the exact same thing. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, I think we got to think further. I think we got to augment, modify, eventually redefine it. Hello, everyone. This is the producer of the show, Bassem, welcoming you back to another episode of Wise Words, the show where we talk to the world's leading minds in education and beyond. This time, we're joined by William Zhou, the CEO of Chalk, a versatile planning and analytics platform tailored to the K-12 curriculum and designed to help support teachers and schools stay online and on track. Five years ago, William was named under the Forbes 30 Under 30 list in education. Back then, there were about 100,000 users using the platform. Fast forward to today, and there are now more than 500,000 teachers that have signed up to Chalk. Chalk was also part of the Wise Accelerator cohort of 2016 to 17. Such tools are undoubtedly helping to keep schools and districts focused and ensuring the right standards are being taught to students, and that's especially important in times of uncertainty. If this is the new normal, how can schools and educators plan effectively for it? William Zhou sits down with CEO of WISE, Stavros Yanuka, to discuss this in depth. Once again, thank you all for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to Wise Words on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud if you haven't done so already and share your thoughts with us on our social media channels. Find all the links in the description. Hello to everyone from uh, around the world. This is uh, Stavros Yanuka, CEO of WISE, welcoming you back for another episode of Wise Words. My guest today is William Joe, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Chalk. William, welcome to Wise Words. It's a pleasure being here, Savros. Uh, William, let's start uh, maybe with you just briefly introducing yourself and Chalk before sure. we get into our conversation. <laughs> sure. So um, as Savros mentioned, my name is uh, William Joe, and I am the CEO of Chalk. At Chalk, we provide a, a suite of uh, education tools for the K-12 industries that specifically focuses on the planning and the curriculum side of things for schools, which means really helping schools and educators plan out their lessons, plan out their curriculum, map out what they have to teach, and ensuring that we're actually teaching the kids the right information. And so we've been working with tons of uh, schools all over the world, actually over half a million educators to this point. I've been actually very lucky to be part of WISE for these uh, many years. Yeah, you've been a you know great addition to the WISE family as, as, as one of our so star graduates from the, uh, from the WISE Accelerator. William, tell us a little bit. I mean, you're, you're, you know, as as with as are we, as as, as in fact most of the world currently in in some sort of lockdown because of COVID nineteen. But tell us a little bit about first of all how how has this kind of affected you personally, and then and then talk to us a little bit about how how it's it's affected chalk and and what you guys are are doing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think. Um... We're all affected by this uh, on a personal level. Uh, you know, just yesterday, I heard somebody else say that this is probably the most shared human experience, right, for our species. And I thought that was just fascinating in one way. And certainly for me personally, it's, uh, you know, finding things to do on the weekend, right? Staying at home. There's, um, you only go out for the groceries, essential goods, but it is really an adjustment. Um, you know, we, we like to enjoy our nature here in Canada. 
And uh, it, it's practically kind of gone the opposite. And I, I got to wonder, you know, when when spring and summer comes around, you know, as Canadians, we 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 we, we endure our winters and we like our summers, but um, we'll have to stay home. So, uh, you know, we have to do what we have to do to flatten the curve and, and our part. Per- personally, I think everybody's adjusting. Um, but, you know, professionally, I, I I've also got to say being a technology company and certainly uh, one in education, we are felt by the closures around the world. Uh, education is certainly disrupted by COVID-19, but, you know, more often than not, I think we feel that we're actually in a very lucky position. Uh, for one, you know, we can take our work online. We have actually began a transition to almost like a remote first organization prior to COVID-19. You know, genuinely, I mean, you know, this is a time that I think technology can shine in helping educators. So in that sense, very much, I I do feel we're in a lucky position. We want to help educators. And it's been always our mission to empower teachers. No, that's absolutely true. And, and, and you know, part of the reason why the, the last couple of episodes of Wise Words, you know, have been live streamed and, and they focused primarily on education technology because this is your moment, as, as you say, where, you know, you, you, can, you can demonstrate uh, your value to, to the education enterprise. So on that, tell us a little bit about what, you know, some of the specifics about what you're doing uh, both to to respond to the crisis, but also to support educators and and education as it as it kind of navigates this new uh, normal. When it comes to th- this kind of new normal, I think the schools are unfortunately a little bit all over the place. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this from many other entrepreneurs and educators alike. And at first, I, I think it was a lot of you know, hey, this is going to end in two weeks. We're going to use all of our spring um, spring weekdays and 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 you know vacation, whatever it is, right? But I think as the sentiment settled in to say that actually this is not just a two week ordeal, we have to deal with this new normal. I think that's when things really started to shift with educators. First, it was how do we teach online? You know, do do people even have access, right? And I think. You know, we're very fortunate when we think about technology, you you know, we're talking to each other online. We have this all working for us, but it's not the norm when it comes to education. You know, we don't have teachers, every teacher knowing how to use technologies like this, like video chat. And when it comes to teaching online, that that is a huge barrier, you know, without even getting into the equity side of things. Right. So, you know, what we've been trying to do here at Chalk is just to say, hey, what can we do? Uh, certainly from a technological point of view, we can provide you with some of our premium products, pay products, often the case, completely for free, right? So we've been able to access and open that up. But on the flip side, which I think is really missing in a lot of cases, is what about the training that comes with it, right? And, uh, you know, giving away some a piece of software is great. But at the end of the day, I think what a lot more teachers need and, and, and would appreciate is really that professional development. And so we've been trying to really focus and hone in on what kind of premium level professional development we can provide to teachers so that we can get, kind of help them uh, get through and adapt to this new normal. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that you, you say that. I mean, what it, so I don't, were you and Aldo on the same, in the same cohort? 
I think Aldo would, may have been uh, one cohort earlier, but earlier uh, than you. Yeah, attended many events. Several. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. you definitely overlapped. I mean, that's oh, I know months. that for a fact, right? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, because I, I chatted with him um, a, a couple of weeks ago, and and he's into. I mean, essentially, Teach Pitch is trying to to support um, educators in, in trying to sort of access. Uh, these these technologies. So I think you know you, you you've highlighted an important element that it's actually not enough just to have you know the, the technologies. We've actually got to sort of figure out how to make the best use of them, and and also you know use them in a way that doesn't just you know seek to recreate the classroom online because the physical classroom online, yeah. uh, but in in a way that kind of leverages the um, the possibilities to do things a little differently yeah. on that. What, what are you seeing in terms of, how are you supporting teachers to, to make that migration? And can you kind of give us a couple of examples maybe of, sure. of, sure. of what's you know, possible? What's interesting. Um, I just want to pick up, um, if you bear with me, the, the, the thoughts that you mentioned, right. About, Hey, not just replacing a classroom online, you know, it, it's when I, um, got into education uh, a while ago. I mean, one of the first things I actually learned was about this kind of mental model uh, called the SAMR model, right? It's S-A-M-R. And uh, it stands for substitution, augmentation, modification, redefinition. It's almost like a step, right? So the mm-hmm. lowest achievement, so to speak, you can have is substitution, meaning yeah. we used to do this, you know, um, on a piece of paper. We're now doing this digitally, Right. Augmentation yeah. is is really not just substituting it, but what are the functional improvements? Modification is significantly kind of redesigning it and redefining is literally, I, I think, you know, you're re-looking at this. You know, unfortunately, I think what we are seeing, right, is a little bit of a hodgepodge of, you know, folks trying. And, and, and again, you know, I, I don't fault anybody. It's I think it's great that we're trying so many new technologies, but so much of what I see out there is this sense of, hey, you know, we used to do this online. Let's just substitute it. Let's have virtual classrooms. Let's have synchronous virtual classrooms. Let's give paper handouts, do the exact same thing. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, I think we got to think further. I think we got to augment, modify, eventually redefine it, right? Yeah. But those are really the toughest parts. And, you know, you ask, hey, how are we doing some of this work? And, and fundamentally, we believe that really the crux of, Anything that you you teach comes from the curriculum, and so for us, it's been how do we enable teachers to collaborate um, directly on that curriculum, especially in the time of remote learning. Um, how do we ensure that they all have the right materials at the right time? They don't need to teach a synchronous class, but how do they collaborate with the right materials and give that still uh, to the right students? Differentiate it in their lesson plans. Those are the type of things that we enable a teacher to do. We like to think it's more than substitution, but you know it, it is a it is a wild time certainly right now. And are, are you are you seeing an increase in users be, because of the crisis? I mean, are are people now turning to you for for solutions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the first week or so, not so much because I I got the sense that a lot of folks were panicking, and you know, but ever since then, it's been a, a pretty steady increase. I think we're at now you know three to five hundred teachers per day new teachers coming to our platform, registering, utilizing the platform. That doesn't include, you know, some of the 
schools and district partners and customers that are coming to us asking for help. So, uh, you know, absolutely across the board, I think not just myself, I've spoken to other education entrepreneurs. I think, you know, this is, you know, like you mentioned, right, this is a time that ed tech can shine. And and my hope is that, you know, we're not, it's, it's not just for this period, but uh, we really start to think about how we can help you know, in the fall and beyond, uh, you know, just before the show, I think you and I were talking about how this may last, not just for the next little while. Right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, again, yeah, I mean, it, it, this, this looks like it's going to be with us for, for, for certainly a good 12 to 18 months and, and, you know, potentially in a, in a kind of worst case scenario, maybe, maybe even, even longer. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, a, a lot of what you're, you're doing and offering also involves uh, data and, uh, and and analytics to help teachers monitor progress. Say a little bit about uh, uh, about that element of the uh, of, of of the service that you guys provide. Yeah, uh, and again, let just reflect a little on on how that's being being used or 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 yeah. or, or not used as as the case may be. You know, I think pre-COVID-19, um, you know, uh, just as a primary, you know, we help schools, which really understanding how, how are we delivering a particular uh, curriculum? You know, is it effective? Right. It, it, you know, are we hitting all the right, excuse me, areas um, so that we can utilize it to to make uh, better informed decisions um, and, and that we can use this curriculum to really drive our instruction? Um, I think that's always been the holy grail. With prior to technology, you know, believe it or not, we would go into a school and we'd say, well, how are you, how do you know what your second grade teacher, you know, what they're teaching flows into the third grade, flows into the fourth grade? And they would say, oh, you know, we would get big printouts, right? Spreadsheet printouts side by side. We would look at them, have a conversation. Um, and so with data, you know, with, with, with the work that we do at Chalk, it's, it's about how can we make that readily available? How can we make it actionable um, and actually tell them, hey, you know, here are the missing gaps, right, in your curriculum um, and, and how your teachers are kind of pacing towards that. Um, I think post-COVID-19, um, you know, certainly we found very interesting ways that people are using that <laughs> information because all the teachers are working remotely uh, in some schools they've actually paid a lot more attention, right, to the data to say, okay, our teachers used to maybe pace in a couple weeks window where some teachers are ahead, some are behind. Now they're seeing a wide variety of of pacing, right? It's just because everybody's all over the place. So I think that's probably been the the toughest part that the schools have to deal with. Um, You know, for us, obviously, we're proud to make those available for them. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we also have schools that are really struggling. They're telling us, you know, um, we had one scenario where it it was really almost uh, really heartfelt because they they had their students. They don't have access to devices. It was a very unfortunate, uh, you know, um, um, lower income neighborhood. They had to give access to to devices. And for those uh, kids, you know, you would think, hey, that's great. You know, we we gave uh, tons of computers and whatnot. And we got a call, you know, we were just on the call with the tech person, um, tech coordinator. And he said, apparently, a lot of those laptops were ending up in pawn shops. And it's just, you know, you, you never think about those types of situations. But that is part of what 
education, you know, we have to work with, right? It's not all about every student already has a device. Every student has access to everything. Every administrator has, uh, you know, all the tech tools, the relevant data, the training. I think there's so many pieces that are missing and certainly technology is one, but to me, there's just so many other pillars that uh, we all have to address. Yeah, no, and, 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 and you look, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, Touching, I think, on 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 a sort of a core issue here, which is you know going back to what your 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 friend or your colleague said to you, which is you know, this is a shared experience. Yeah, COVID nineteen across the whole of humanity. Yeah, at a certain level, that's that's very true. But how we're experiencing it, I think, varies significantly. Yeah. And and that example that you you gave just you know re- really shines a spotlight on on education inequities that are sadly uh, being exacerbated by the pandemic. I suppose they're being exacerbated in, to put a positive spin on it, they're they're being exacerbated because, you know, uh, a fairly sizable segment of the population can still uh, carry on with their, you know, with, with some form of education, Um, you know, say at, at, you know, somewhere between 60 to 80% of, of maybe what they would be getting if they were physically in school. But then, you know, you have that minority, which is not insignificant, you know, at least in the developed world, uh, it's a minority. I and mean, in other places, maybe it's a majority where, where they're, you know, they're, they're going without. Right. And so the delta between those kids and the others who have access is, is going to grow the longer it, this thing persists. That, that, kind of inequality. I mean, we're, we're already hearing educators talk about the student achievement gap, right? It, it's it's going to widen. Uh, we have um, now, I think, culturally, uh, you know, as parents in North America, they're paying more attention more than ever on how they invest into their students, right? And in whatever different variety of ways, whether it's a, it's a game that they can purchase, that helps uh, education, right? I think we've seen that trend in, in Asia, right? But I think for the first time we're seeing that, you know, in North America. And I, I think that, that unfortunately, that skills um, and that achievement gap is just going to widen. I mean, I, I'd love to kind of flip the script back um, a little bit. I mean, just kind of ask you, I mean, you interact with educators, CEOs, and, and folks all over the world. I mean, you know, I... I we we situate ourselves, you know, here in North America. We, we we are proud to serve, you know, schools all over the world, uh, globally, independent, international, public, charter, private. Um, but I will say we do have a pretty heavy emphasis on North America. I mean, I'd love to hear, Ray Savros, how how are the rest of the world? How are you seeing that equality um, issue play out in the, in the sphere of education? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it in uh, it, it's. It's it's no different uh, between countries than it is with within countries in in the sense that um, again the developed world where you have fairly broad based you know internet connectivity where you have again fairly good good level of of public service you know you're, you're seeing better adaptation. To, to to the change than you are in the uh, in the developing the the less well developed world. You know, having having said that, there are you know there are still examples where lower tech solutions 
you know, like using television, radio, even the even the good old mail, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, can right can still um, can still you know play play a part and and can go some way towards ameliorating the the problem. But there is you know there, there's just no getting away from the fact that this is also going to and fast becoming an education crisis. You know, the, the fact that there are, you know, hundreds of millions of kids out of school, particularly in, in you know, contexts and environments where even the best intentioned efforts of, you know, of, of governments are, are just a drop in the ocean of what's, you know, of what's necessary, that, that you're going to have that uh, attainment gap uh, widen. And I think part of what we need to be thinking about coming out of this crisis is how do we, you know, how do we provide remedial solutions for, you know, for, for kids who are going to be left behind? And I, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I don't have an answer to, to, to how you do that. But I, I, I think, you know, we're going to have to turn our minds towards addressing that. And then again, thinking ahead to, to, to the next time we may have to go into this kind of lockdown, how do we build resilient education systems and make sure that we're, you know, that, that people are not going to fall through, right. through the cracks uh, because of issues like, you know, poor connectivity or, you know, not having access to, to devices. And there has to be a way that we can solve this. I mean, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think there was an article, um, whether it was the Wall Street Journal or, or, or another national kind of paper, and it talked about how, yeah, I mean, schools are, or frankly, many of them are, are, are just riding off this current school year. And, um, and they, you know, parents have been trying to parent at home, but it is not working out, right? And that, and that shouldn't, you know, uh, in many, in many cases, right, parents are working full time, they're they're also teaching. I mean, it just doesn't jive. Right. And so I, I, I do feel for them. Um, and, um, you know, uh, the teachers we talk to, many of them are, are, I think as, as a first step, it's not even to teach new material, but to really call home and to ensure that the kids are, are doing okay. Uh, I, I appreciate, you know, your first question starting with how are you doing, you know, personally, because I, I think that's actually fairly important. Um, I know we are talking about, Education, but in the context of education, there's also the mental health aspect where are the kids, you know, are the students, um, you know, uh, okay, right? And, and, and how do we ensure that not only them, but really the rest of everybody is going to kind of be all right coming out of this, right? Um, so I think there's, there's apart from equity, there's also that aspect as well um, that I'm starting to hear more and more now that this kind of is going on for you know, close to two months and, and will potentially extend beyond. Yeah. Well, well, last week on, on this podcast and in, in this kind of setting, I, I was, I was chatting with Andreas uh, Schleicher from the OECD mm-hmm. and Fernando Ramers from, uh, from the Harvard graduate school of education. And one, one of the things we, we talked about there was, was, was perhaps this is now an opportunity for, for us to rethink uh, the what of education, and and perhaps go, you know, go go deeper on certain core 
subjects, I guess, you know, numeracy and literacy would be the, the kind of the obvious candidates. But we also talked about, you know, issues around, you know, well-being, mental health, you know, kind of building resilience of, of, of kind of character, right? Um, w- within kids. So, so, you know, again, it, it's interesting to me that you're, you know, you, you brought up this issue of, of, of mental health and, and that, and that in, you know, the importance that, that it, it plays not just for education, but, but perhaps education should have a role as well in, uh, in helping us navigate, yeah. you know, our, our kind of inner, inner world for, for lack of a better, better term. What, yeah. what are you, you know, what are you hearing from some of your, uh, um, stakeholders. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liken it to to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? If you don't have the the security aspect, whether it's physical or or, or you know just that social element, yeah. um, it it is really hard to take in new information. And frankly, you know, when we talk about learning, right, as a concept, it's it, it, you can't just sit there. You can't if you're not in a um, um, an environment where, where you are supported. Right. And, and I, I completely understand there are many folks out there uh, that don't have that, you know, uh, situation, that, that perfect situation, but I think it's our duty to kind of think about how we can create that, right. Or, or be supportive. And so, you know, what we're hearing from the ground, it, you know, from teachers, like I mentioned is that, yeah. And they're in their, I think week number four, Right when they're just starting to kind of get back to this, is to say, hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put a bunch of new materials or start doing remedial work. It was frankly just placing house calls, placing, um, you know, getting in contact with the with parents and the, and the students to say, you know, how how is you know um, Tommy doing and 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 how is Sally doing and 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 those are are what we're hearing really from the get go. Of course, now I think educators are starting to think about mm-hmm. what we should be perhaps wrapping up this semester, but a lot of them are already writing this off, like I mentioned. So, you know, what we're helping a lot of these educators now is just start thinking about, and because obviously we do planning, right, when it comes to curriculum, what are the adjustments you'll have to make when it comes to the fall, right? We know this is not going to end. and We don't know how many waves right and hopefully right we don't get hit by that many um but many schools are opening again in august many schools are opening in, in september right and mm-hmm. what is that going to look like um it, there i don't think there is a conclusive answer um i've heard from folks that uh, are saying that it may be split days it may be um you know uh, a b days some some kids go in right you you see in danish schools that the tables are literally two meters apart from each other. And so, you know, I don't know, but I think all we can prepare is to plan accordingly uh, and to help them adjust their instructional needs. And that's kind of what we do in our job here at Chalk. We can't solve everything we love to, but um, that's the part yeah. that I think we can own. Yeah, just kind of look, looking out, you know, um, perhaps beyond beyond the crisis, what what thoughts do you have about what might change permanently for for education? Or maybe if you don't want to, if you don't want to sort of get into the prediction game, what what do you think we should be thinking about changing? You know, I think a lot on this, and it's almost like I ask myself sometimes the, the, the flip 
side of the question, which is what do I think that's not going to change as well? And, and, you know, kind of interplay with that. Um, you know, I, I do think that classroom instruction will continue. Um, you know, by, by no means are we, I think people are just going to transition to online fully. In fact, I think a lot of folks are saying, you know, this does not work for me or for my um, children. It's not engaging. And I think a big part of that is the human element. You know, we're not just at school to engage, you know, um, take in new materials. Um, and certainly I hope it's not just memorization anymore, but um, it's that human interaction, right? It's the yeah, learning. Of, exactly, right? And, and to me, that's what makes us human. Um, so I think there's always going to be that element of it. You know, do I think technology will play a bigger role? Absolutely. I think, you know, this event has highlighted that um, we need to be better prepared. As you say, you know, how do we build resiliency, right? So I do think, you know, a lot of the schools that um, are actually looking at, hey, what is our contingency plan look like you know not just going to september but beyond what are the core components that we need to run the operations i don't think that's been considered before and and we hear from so many school administrators saying you know it was a challenge right from a change management perspective to get teachers to you know try and adopt some of the technology and we totally understand they are bombarded with hundreds of tools right at once. And so it, it takes forever to, to kind of, you know, get through and get them to adopt. And um, just because they have so many th- things that are trying to help them. Um, but with COVID-19, you know, funny enough, what we're finding is everybody's jumping on everything. Um, so it's almost like the opposite end of the spectrum. So I don't see that continue to play out, I will say, post COVID-19. But I, I think we're going to find a happy medium where we'll find uh, folks that will have a set of technologies that will be core and essential to their needs in operating a school. Um, the classroom instruction will continue, um, but I do think we're going to move certain elements online for sure. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, anecdotally, what I'm picking up on, just to sort of, you asked me before, you know, what, what are you hearing? Uh, one of the things that I picked up on very clearly is that institutions that had sort of hybrid, you know, online, offline models made the transition much, much quicker and, and, and more effectively than those that were relying on, um, on, on online as a backup only, right? And then they hadn't sort of embedded technology into their, their sort of day-to-day operations and the, and, and the, and, and the day-to-day learning experience of of their um of their students and and teachers and so i i i mean i i think it's 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 going to be a must again not just as a as a kind of fail safe but also because you know because it 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 will you know allow you if you have to use it it will allow you to to kind of make that transition much much easier you know if you if you have to go 100 percent online it becomes a lot easier if if before that you were i don't know thirty percent or forty percent online uh versus you had it there sitting in the background as a as a kind of uh, uh spare tire um, yeah, I think a lot of schools are going to look at technology being a core competency yeah. you know I, I think so far there are schools that that certainly count it as one, but you know certainly many others um 
look at it as more of a supplemental, but I think this event will, will change how they yeah. think about it. What about things like changing the, the fundamental structure of of the school year and, and the school day? I mean, I I don't think we actually talk enough about about this in in our in our convenings. I mean, you know, for for example, we've we've known I think now for for quite a long time that the kind of long three month summer break that uh, that that we have in the you know particularly in the northern hemisphere is uh, is actually detrimental to to long term retention and and learning, and yet we don't you know we we don't talk about the need to change the, the school calendar where we're kind of, we're, we're stuck in, in the calendar of the agricultural economy, right? Where you need the three months in, in the, you know, in, in the summer for the, for, for the harvest and, and sowing season, right? <laughs> Even though, you know, uh, hardly anybody now is, is, uh, it's a very small number of, of people that are still involved in, in, in the, in the very important, you know, agricultural sector. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Again, I think what this crisis has done is highlight again what, which are the really important sectors. Yeah. <laughs> of an economy. I mean, yeah. But, one, because yeah. they were also we're also rooted in our whole instruction. Yeah. I mean, one too many is is in yeah. that industrial era, right? So I, I'm pre-industrial. Well, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. So I am certainly a big proponent yeah. of of us looking at that. If I if I recall, there was. Uh, even studies that were done about starting, I mean, not even talking about calendar changes in that drastic sense, but just changing bell hours, right? Starting times of kids uh, going to school to be later, right? I mean, I, I remember waking up super early, right? It was yeah. uh, it, it was like blurry eye. It was like, what am I doing? Uh, but it, it, even just that, right? Pushing back the start date by an hour helps tremendously with retention, with engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's financial implications, right? There is um, for for a district that needs to do that. There's costs both to the parents, both to the um, the uh, transportation. Um, you know, all of those needs to be considered. Yeah. But I do think those has to be conversations that start to be brought in. I mean, what I love to see is how does that kind of play out. You know, I've always thought of those as almost certainly policy making, almost decision level, right? I, yeah. I would love to get. I'm, I'm sure many education entrepreneurs would love to get into those conversations. I think, um, you know, for us, though, our job, I think, thus far, has been really technologically focused. But certainly, I, you know, I don't think anyone, one of us, want to be pigeonholed to just be technology. I do think many of us are here to to really truly rethink what this experience can be. Um, and, and so, you know, I know WISE has been a, a phenomenal platform for those kind of engagements, the summit itself, the conversations. And I actually appreciate the fact that we do span beyond just technology. I think technology, again, plays one role of it. Um, but to your point, yeah, I, I would love to see, um, you know, the, the calendar year being shifted, classes start later, and question why we have the one-to-many instruction. I mean, you know, we hear about this kind of player-coach mentality that teachers are already doing, but I, I hesitate to say that I'm finding a lot of that only at the school and teacher level um, and, and not so much at that broader level. No, I think, no, I, I, I appreciate everything, everything you've said, William. I think that, 
the reason I think why these conversations belong, you know, in a sort of ed tech context, it's because these are the kinds of things, in my view, that technology makes possible, but we're not, we're not yet sort of leveraging the full suite of possibilities. For, for example, you know, the, the, the opportunity for asynchronous yes. right, instruction and, and learning can help you with, you know, potentially shorter school days, you know, which, which will allow then for, you know, later start times. And again, it's interesting you say that because I, I, I had written an article some years ago that was quite well received, essentially arguing that, especially for middle and high school, we should push start times because most teenagers' uh, sleep cycles get thoroughly messed up because <laughs> of puberty. And, you know, yeah. and again, this is sort of a biological fact that we've, you know, we've been aware of for some time, but it, it just hasn't sort of percolated down to, uh, to the policymaking level with the exception of, you know, and, I, and actually I haven't followed up to find out what, what happened, but the UK was running some experiments with later start times right. for, uh, for, for high schoolers uh, precisely because of, because of this, uh, yeah. this insight. The scientific insight, not my not my article. I hasten to to add. So tell tell me now. You're you're also working. I understand on a on a new project that's called Plan Board. Yeah, not not not. I mean, to correct, not quite an entirely new project, but okay. we've had. I mean, our roots are 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 from planning lesson planning through and through, and yeah, you know, uh, given the context that we're in right now, it's a little bit of also thinking, hey we've had this available for teachers for forever, uh, frankly, um, you know, allowing them to, to collaborate on their plans, eventually making it its way to the, to the curricular level. But, you know, they can do this on their mobile phones, tablets, but, you know, what can we be doing during kind of COVID-19 and, you know, what can we be doing post uh, in, in that new normal? And a lot of it is, I think, uh, collaboration, asynchronous collaboration, right? I think, you know, if, if we all have to learn anything, I, I think Google has done a, a decent job in making things easy, making it accessible. Um, and, and, you know, so far what we've seen on the education technology market is that uh, there's room for improvement when it comes to, you know, teacher planning, when it comes to um, ensuring that uh, we have the ability to collaborate between teachers, um, having resources available for teachers. Um, I think it is a big one. So for us, we are, we have recently launched, um, you know, a more premium offering for teachers to, to being able to utilize our platform, you know, allowing them to, you know, uh, eventually collaborate. But right now, Hey, push these plans to Google, right? Because so many of them are already using Google classroom. So the integrations, the collaboration, uh, additional functionalities, just making that available and, you know, with with our user base of half a million teachers, we hope that it can truly make an impact and and, and help these teachers. And and what's what's uh, what's next? You know, what's what's uh, you know what does the future hold? You know, beyond yeah. beyond Landboard, what you know, what's next for Chalk? Absolutely, I think yeah, for us, it's it's always been our guiding principle. Our mission has been to empower teachers, and you know we ask ourselves, how do we do that, right? We don't try to pretend to be, you know, a company that that is, you know, really good at, at least today, 
um, working with students, right? That is just not what what are one of our core competencies today. Uh, it's always been the professionals. It's always been the teachers. So planning was where we, where we started. We are adding right into plan board our assessment features, allowing teachers to to do all those tasks much easier to have online assessments, grading, all of those functionalities. But really, I think it's it's for us this concept of what would a teacher's assistant look like if there was one? Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how they want to go ahead and instruct it, whether it's completely virtual, whether it's uh, in classroom, whether it's asynchronous, whether it's synchronous. But what would that teacher assistant look like? It has to have a planning solution. It has to have the assessment because, you know, we still care about the assessment portion. But what are the other components, right? And those are the questions that we're asking ourselves here at Chalk. Um, and we're asking teachers, you know, what are all the things in the universe that we can help you with? Um, again, not the other components. We understand there are other companies that are great at that. But how can we empower teachers? Well, uh, William, it's been, it's been great. Uh, great catching up with you. And, and uh, again, really delighted to, to hear that, that, you know, you guys are... In, in the thick of it, in some ways, supporting supporting the the people that really matter in this in this uh, context, which are you know which are the teachers and uh, and of course by extension the the learners for whom you know this this entire enterprise has been uh, called education has been has been set up. Before we sign off, tell our audience how you know how they can. Uh, Find out about you know more about you about about chalk and uh, and if if there are sort of teachers who are who are listening what's you know what's the best way for them to get get in touch? Absolutely, I, I you know first off, any teachers that are, are working during this crisis, thank you. Uh, I just want to say I think the world appreciates you. You know, for us, we have a completely open option for you to use to get your planning done to help you out. Uh, and you can avail, uh, you can access that. Uh, it is available right now at chalk.com. Uh, that is the simplest way to get in touch. Uh, you can click on the teacher uh, button and, and sign up. And again, completely free for you. So, um, you know, it's it it is um, a wild time that we are in Stavros, but uh, it's been my pleasure as well, certainly being on this, and, and I appreciate the invitation uh, to be on Wise Words. Anytime. And, and again, William, thank you uh, for your time. Keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm, so, I'm sure we'll see each other on, on, you know, on the other end of this, on the other end of this thing, somewhere, somewhere around this, this beautiful world of ours. And there you have it. Many thanks to William Joe for joining us in this discussion. And thank you for tuning in. Once again, if you like this episode, don't forget to let us know by reaching out to us on our social media channels and let us know what you think. All the links for that are in the description and be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you want more from Wise Words. Thanks for tuning in and looking forward to having you here next time. All the best.